0: This is the Hash podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3 and more. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the CoinDesk Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to The Hash on CoinDesk TV and the CoinDesk Podcast. Network, it is Taco Tuesday. What a day, what a day to catch up on some crypto news. I'm Jensen Sinassi here with Wendio and Will Foxley. Good afternoon. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good day,
0: sirs and
1: madams. <laughs> All right. We're going to get into the top stories of the day, starting with Doge. Dogecoin surged 10% this week on the back of X payment speculation. Crypto traders are buying up Dogecoins in hopes that the token has a future in facilitating payments on Twitter. Of course, we know Twitter rebranded as X recently with the goal of becoming an everything app for content communications and payments. In the past 24 hours, though, Doge is up just over 2%. Wendy? I heard that sigh. It is really becoming a marker of your presence here on the show. So I'm going to kick it off to you.
0: So this is the thing. Not everybody can see me because I know all of you are not only watching Coindesk TV's The Hash, but you're also listening to us on the podcast network. So I've got to put in a little bit of extra emotion so you guys know exactly where I stand. Just entertainment, right? When we're talking about Dogecoin, okay? This story is actually indicating to me what type of market we are in. A lot of people say we're in a bull market or we're on the cuss of a bull market, but this is very much bear market price action. If we we're in a bull market and Elon Musk tweeted anything about Dogecoin, we would have seen like a 69% pump or something absolutely insane. I remember those TikTok days. I remember yelling at my TikTok babe saying, guys, take profit, Elon's going to dump on you. And most of them didn't. So. To me, this is just kind of indicating what type of market we're in due to the market sentiment. A 10% pump, okay, kind of cool, great, fantastic. But at the same time, it's not really bull market stuff yet.
2: It is up like 10% this month, though, and up 4% today, which is good stuff. So, Wendy, we got to take our profits where we see them. We also got to give our praise to the market where we see it. And we love this bit. And this kind of follows on the stuff we've seen with Dogecoin and Elon Musk in the past, right? There's some Tesla stuff there. You can buy a Tesla with Dogecoin, or at least at one point you were able to. A few other products in the Elon Musk assembly of businesses these runs has some sort of Dogecoin integration into it. And now people are speculating that, hey, you know, Twitter's doing the whole rebrand thing. They're turning to the X app, the everything app. Why wouldn't they just put Dogecoin into this somehow? Well, the answer to that might just be like securities regulations and they might not be able to just, you know, staple this all together. Maybe on the back end, like in a business to business, I'd say be able to do that. But I have a hard time believing they could do it on the other side of things, especially after we've seen all the sentiment from the SEC. I feel like Elon doesn't love the SEC and he's not going to want to run into that again. But there is always a price for comedy and he always likes to run into that. So perhaps he'll go for it. Jen?
1: Yeah, I think we also have to remember The dumbest drama with Apple, right? That was all about crypto payments for content on this decentralized app. And if Twitter or X now is envisioning a future where people can be like tipping or sending Doge to each other, it's not only the regulators they have to watch out for. It's also the platform providers, the app stores like uh, Apple and Google. The story uh, notes analysts and some speculation over what Doge could be used for. On Twitter, one of the notes in the article says that advertisers can be able to pay Doge for ads. And I think what a great future. Can you imagine these brands having Doge on their balance sheets and using it on a platform called X to pay for advertisements? I think it's kind of hilarious, but we should think back to a report that came out in January that talked about Elon's vision for the future. And yes, crypto payments are there, but fiat is first. And honestly, when I think about paying for things on Twitter, I feel like fiat's going to be a little bit easier. If we're talking about, you know, the masses paying for things, I think fiat's going to be easier. But I see the long term vision here. Wendy?
0: Two things. I don't know if you guys remember the bear market, the 2018, when all all that stuff was happening, but we had tip bots on Twitter. Then you can send people XRP. Mm -hmm. I used to kind of troll with people. Um, there's a bunch of other coins that you can you could, you know, tip people then. So we have those capabilities. People forget about it. Where are all the tip bots at? Come on, guys. Also, too, now people are finally seeing what is available on TikTok. On TikTok, you could take fiat currency, you could buy these cute little stickers and you can go ahead and tip your favorite TikToker while they're live streaming, while they say gang gang, ice cream, yum, yum cowboy hat swag i don't know if you guys saw that video of me but it's basically the same thing like if you you can take your crypto asset and you can convert it into these little stickers and then like tip people and it could be like stuff so i feel like the opportunities are endless the only problem we are having is is with the sec and that's why we need to restructure the sec
2: restructure it so we can have uh, more ice cream stuff online when you order that say yum yum will yum yum
1: Oh gosh, I didn't you know, think he like was going to do it with, this, with, with no resistance. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting to hear an immediate yum yum. I love that. I've said this on the show before, but in the last bull market, when brands were experimenting with accepting Doge, there was one big brand that came out and said they were accepting Doge payments. And I won't say who it is, but I did ask their PR company, how many people have paid with Doge? And the answer was none so that was in the bull market we are now at the bear market i hope things can change because i i gotta say you know got to support the doggy coins the memes i love it
0: and with that being said should we get into my story because uh,
1: i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about
0: either can we like (laughs) where we go can we like just talk about like delicious tacos
1: oh my god part of this story
0: world coin goes boom okay (laughs) WorldCoin token slumps amid crypto community unease plus UK information commissioned to make inquiries about World WorldCoin. WorldCoin, that's what it is. So this is the thing. In, I don't understand why this is news, okay? Anytime there's a brand new token that gets released, the people that got in on the pre-sales, they're going to dump as fast and hard as they can. They could absolutely care less about the project. You're going to see VCs do this. You're going to see everybody and their mom do it. That's called profit-taking. It's ethical to an extent, okay? And you just sell a little bit of your bag and you, you know, take your, you get your initial investment out. You get a little bit of profit. You rinse and repeat, not financial advice, but that's what we see happen a lot. So it doesn't like, I don't think that it's super crazy that the token slumps. Um, also to, uh, the token hit a high of th- uh, three dollars and 58 cents before dumping. I'm not shocked at all. And the project is under fire for heavily promoting itself in developing countries, which scares me a bit. And about 30% of its orb verified users are in Asia and Africa. Also, too, it's rumored that SBF was an early investor or he was an early investor October 2021. I remember that. And of course, 3AC co-founder Kyle Davies also hinted that his firm had invested in it, which makes sense because I want to say they are the grifters of the century.
1: Yeah, I'll take it away. So there's a lot going on here with the project. If we, if we step away from the price action, the token pumping on the news and then kind of coming back to reality, there's a lot going on here, right? You have an orb that scans your retina. Then there's the universal basic income discussion, then there's proof of personhood, then you have this like software developer kit, we're now trying to attract developers to the ecosystem to build applications that we can now use our proof of of personhood. There's a lot going on here to figure out. And I think for anyone who's just looking at this project or learning about it, it can feel very confusing and overwhelming. And like you don't know what to think and you have no control over the future of society. I get That when we look at Vitalik's blog, Will, you brought it up on the show yesterday. You know, I think one of, one of the notable things he says is this isn't the first time that a company has tried to solve for proof of personhood. And so I think that, you know, we can, we can envision a future where we need to do that because AI isn't going anywhere. And so I see the pieces of this project that could work and the pieces of this project that maybe cannot work. And I guess my takeaway here is that there are a lot of money from very smart people. I'm not including Kyle Davies in in that group of very smart people that have gone into this project. There are a lot of big brains behind this project. And so I'm going to stand on the sidelines and see what happens next with it. Because I don't think that they can move forward and have a product that incorporates all of those things that I just mentioned. I think that they will choose a direction and go in that direction. And maybe it's not going to be. As scary as we think. That said, Wendy, some of the news that came out about, I don't want to say grifting,
0: but I'll, but I'll, I'll say it for people, you. Okay, I'll you say it, say it for me. Yeah. About- Everybody who is invested in this project, they are writing the grift. WorldCoin is a grift. Um, it, what they're trying to do is not going to come to fruition until they have backing from like WEF and all those other
1: that's the thing, right? right. I think yeah. there's a lot to happen here when it comes to regulation, when it comes to governments, when it comes to protecting people, when it comes to making people are aware of what they're giving away for what they're getting in return. I think there's a lot, but Will, what, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I want to point to a tweet that Dylan Leclerc, is a Bitcoin analyst put out there talking about the circulating supply of this token. And it's really important because we often see this with early tokens out there, especially ones that do have a history of being grift tokens. And that's a small circulating is initially distributed. And then a large amount of the token holdings are kept in reserves, either for the founding team, for investors, or for a future community, quote unquote. In this instance, we see only 1% of the WorldCoin tokens have been issued. And those that have been issued today are people who have signed up. So they get like one WorldCoin token when you sign up. And then also some of the early team, which are locked into a one-year vesting schedule. So often in crypto, we see like this idea of tokenomics, where it's like, hey, we have a supply of tokens. We want to issue it to a community. How do we do this in the most fair way possible? This allocation almost seems to look like the opposite, whereas how can we do this in the most unfair way possible? Doesn't seem like there's a lot of utility. does seem like there's some interest in the token itself because it's associated with Sam Altman. It's associated with OpenAI. It's associated with AI itself. So there's interest in the token. And now we're seeing some wild price action. No, it's not as drastic as a bull market, but there's some crazy price talk I'm talking about it right now, for instance. And I think that sort of ties back into the fact that the supply dynamics here are not great. The allocations are not great. The issuance is not great. And it's going to hurt people in the long run if that isn't settled correctly. And that's just pulling on the history of a lot of these tokens, right? We've had thousands of token launches in the past. And things that mirror this token launch end up not working so great. Wendy? Wendy?
0: I agree with everything you said 100%. Um, The only positive I see about this token or this project that could potentially help it do well and actually have real world utility, like I don't think they need a token. I guess it's like a cool thing they can have in their little ecosystem. But if they're trying to be like the one stop shop for Web3, because essentially that's what they're trying to do, but in a censorship type of way. Um, I guess it's kind of cool, but realistically, just I think that because the AI god, Mr. Sam, is a part of it, I feel like they might have a chance to actually be integrated into real-world utility. But at the same time, I have a very hard time seeing that play out because generally these large organizations, these public servants, they like to have complete control of the situation, unless it's going to be like the Twitter relationship between Jack and the public servants. But you never know what could happen but I really liked your commentary on the tokenomics. Those are things that we talk about all the time on my show. And we always tell people to be careful and understand there's always other people on the side of the trade that are not, may not be operating as ethically as you may. So just be cautious and understand the risks.
1: You should check out Wendy's show. We don't show things on this show, but we can show each other. Mm -hmm. Go check out Wendy's show. I yell all day.
2: We're going to talk about Bitcoin mining, one of my favorite subjects. Let's dive right into it. How did Texas become the mecca for Bitcoin mining? We have an awesome piece in Consensus Magazine by Jeff Wilser, great writer for Coindesk. This piece delves into why Texas was such a popular option for Bitcoin miners over the last two years, how it affects the energy grid down in Texas, and how locals are reacting to Bitcoin miners moving into their neighborhoods. It's a longer piece, definitely worth checking out, but we'll kind of open the discussion here. How do you feel about mining these days? Wendy, I want to throw it over to you, get your thoughts on it, pass around the horn a little bit.
0: So this is the thing, you guys, I am not a mining expert because I absolutely suck when it comes to tech and I have no problem admitting it. I tell my audience, I tell you, I tell the internet, I can do math. I can do math. Okay. Believe it or not. I've got some math degrees under my belt and that's how I learned how to trade. But mining is hard. It's hard to understand. One of the things I do know about mining is it's not as harmful to the environment as many people um, say that it is. And I feel like a lot of miners in the US are pressed. They're very pressed to find a safe place for them to operate their business. Because let's face it, we still don't really have any guidelines or regulations. The United States of America can't figure out if mining is good for the environment, if it's bad, how they can harness you know safer energy to do so. And I feel like miners are just kind of going to places where they're accepted, where they can pay less taxes. There's a saying, my good friend Mark Moss says, go where you're treated best. And It seems like Texas might be that place for that. Um, it's very sad that there's other not other parts in America that it's very limited to where people can go and do these types of things, especially due to the electricity costs. I know in California, when I originally got into crypto, I had some friends like, you should start mining. And I looked at the cost and I said, ah, it scared me because <laughs> it was it was so, so expensive. I feel like it's Texas has become a great place for that because they have the room and they're offering um, to treat people better than other places. So deep in the heart of Texas, Wendy
1: looked at the prices and went, "Ah, I have a question." Uh, uh, for you, will our mining expert off the back of what Wendy just said? Uh, I remember we spoke about a bill that was proposed that failed to make it through the House committee that was looking into the mining industry's participation in programs that would incentivize. Large energy consumers like miners to uh, like sell back energy to the grid is that is that correct or cap the incentives they could get from like turning their operations off and there was a big hoopla from the community and legislators saying that you know miners are just like actually making a ton of money and in incentives. Where has that conversation gone? Is there still tension there in Texas?
2: Yeah, so there's a few bills around that in the spring months so Texas has a two-year legislative cycle, so every two years they meet and you know, hammer out some ideas and bills that they've been working on. And they have a few weeks to pass all these things before it goes to the governor's desk. And this year, there was about four or five Bitcoin mining bills that were pushed forward on both the Senate side and on the House side. And only a few actually moved forward. And most of them were positive. So there was one that had to do with flared gas and capping the amount of flared gas that was possible to be used in the state. Uh, I think the end goal was just like, to encourage flared gas mining and have to go back and look at it. There's a few others on capping how much Bitcoin mining could be done in the state on the grid. And then there was a, a few other like more political ones, uh, including one to do with battery plants uh, and how Bitcoin miners could interact together. So lots of different House bills and Senate bills. At the end of it, the legislative cycle was actually very good, favorable mm-hmm. for Bitcoin miners. Like There wasn't anything that was like nasty or divisive against Bitcoin miners, which is, again, a new industry in Texas. I think this really comes from the fact that Texas is a Republican-dominated state. Uh, The governor's office has welcomed Bitcoin miners famously back in 2021 after China banned Bitcoin mining. uh, Governor Greg Abbott openly stated Bitcoin miners are welcome here and Bitcoin miners took advantage of that. Uh, As you've seen this piece from Jeff Wilser, one of the big things Bitcoin miners want is a friendly place to operate a business with clear rules for the road. They don't just want cheap energy or high Bitcoin price. They also want uh, really solid business practices. So they don't have any issues like they did have in China, uh, where you just have random inspections, or your mind gets shut off randomly, or you just have problems getting workers in because of visas. Uh, in Texas, it's a little bit simpler. And so I think that is why we've seen such steady and popular interest in Bitcoin mining in Texas, because the political side of things is, is pretty simple there. and There's not too many surprises.
0: You know what I just thought about? What happens if we use... like? the energy from gas stoves. Um, and then that energy goes to um, mine Bitcoin. So we don't have to ban gas stoves or something like that.
2: Innovative. I don't really
1: Innovative. understand it, but because we'll I'm trolling. That's on why. It. Take it offline. <laughs> okay. Well, my, my second question is, you know, a lot of this legislation is proposed because of the community. How do you think or how are you seeing uh, mining companies educate the communities on like what's actually happening here, especially when we have like Greenpeace out there saying Bitcoin mining is bad and going to boil the oceans.
2: Yeah, great, great subject. I'm actually submitting an op-ed to CoinDesk, which we'll hopefully mm-hmm. run this week for part of Miner Week, talking about that very subject. More broad strokes, talking about public miners, which public miners are mining companies that publicly listed in either Canada or the U.S. Over the last few years, There's about 20 plus, so a lot of people have. Exposure to Bitcoin miners because they want exposure to Bitcoin in their portfolios, and so they've chosen to do that through Bitcoin mining stocks. And my piece basically goes into how there's too much marketing gimmicks in Bitcoin mining retail stocks, and it's, it mirrors the token industry. And we're just talking about Worldcoin. I think Bitcoin miners do a similar thing where they uh, have a lot of marketing gimmicks out there, and I think that'd be better if they turned towards education. Now there have been some really solid attempts at education, especially in Texas, because these Bitcoin miners are moving into, legis- in, into rural areas where there's not a lot of jobs, there's a lot of energy, and there can't be a lot of economic development. And there's been some like grassroots development there, right? So like the Riot team down in Rockdale, Texas definitely does a lot of stuff with bringing people to the site, bringing in not only national media, but allowing like, local visitors to come into the site. I think the Texas Blockchain Council does a really good job. They host summits during the year. They have a lot of different education initiatives in different universities. So it's, it's growing. The issue with all of this, of course, is it's slow and you have to teach them about Bitcoin before you can really start teaching them about Bitcoin mining and how the energy grid works. And most people just don't want to have that conversation. So it's a slow grind. As long as there's a healthy political stance on it right now, I think that there will be continued education and maybe five to 10 years time, people will be a little more positive towards it. But for right now, it's, I say, generally, generally negative, but not too negative, just a touch, just a touch.
1: Education, education. Well, all our audience can educate themselves by reading Will's op ed on Coindesk.com. There's lots of other fascinating stories during Coindesk's Mining Week presented by Foundry there. So you can check that out again on Coindesk.com. I need to note that Foundry and Coindesk are both owned by DCG, but lots of cool mining content from articles to videos to op eds. Learn about it all. And that's the end of The Hash today. Thank you everyone for watching and listening and for being here with us on Taco Tuesday. Let's get that Taco Tuesday graphic going. It's been a while since we've seen it. And it's so sad that we don't have Zach Seward here with us to, um, you know, represent that he's the he's the big taco. He's like our taco dad.
2: Looks like a euro.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks for being here with us, everyone. Thanks for watching The Hash. I'm Jensen, and I see you at Will Foxley and Wendy O here with us today, and we will be back same time, same place tomorrow. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on
0: the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.